Was it a morning like this, possibly mild outside, the sun hadn't risen yet, and they went off to do a duty that they were compelled to, not, not because they were happy, but because they were very sad. They were frustrated. They didn't understand what had happened. I often struggle with the fact that there were people that walked with Jesus for years, heard him daily. Out of his own mouth, he told them what would happen. And somehow they missed it all. They didn't understand. They came with little hope and low expectations, just fulfilling a duty that was a part of their culture. When someone died, they'd anoint the body and continue to do that until it had dissipated to nothing but bones. Gather them together and put those bones in a box, put it on a shelf, and know that they had resigned themselves to saying goodbye to another generation. No hope, low expectations, not understanding what's going on. That was what it was about. Yet when they arrived, everything changed. His body was gone. No doubt there was speculation, as there is even today, that someone took the body and hid it. But the reality is over 500 people attested to the fact that the man that had hung on the cross, that had claimed boldly to be God, that he was the Messiah coming to save his people from their sins, was alive. Why do we hold on to that story and, and continue to discuss it? Why do we tell this story year after year? Why do we keep letting people know how we feel about that? Well, it's because of a time like this. When we live in a world with low expectations, there's not a lot to be happy about. All the news is bad news. Our paychecks don't get anything anymore. And some are becoming worthless. People are terrified about the future. They don't know what will happen. They're, they're, they're looking to leadership, but there is none. That is exactly why we celebrate today. Because we march to the beat of a different drummer. Not to the leadership in this world, especially not this country, but to a God who loves us, who supersedes all other authority, and has given us the hope that we celebrate in this time of year that we call Easter. Now what does all this mean? Why do we celebrate it? If you're here today and you've not ever heard this message before, if you know that this is a holiday and, and you really don't understand it's a holy day, that's who I'm talking to today. Jesus was able to purchase us because he taught us that human struggle did not destroy us. He's with us in every human struggle. He's, he's with us in every stage of life, wherever we go and whatever we go through, from, from birth through childhood, puberty, junior high, high school, college, on into our careers, midlife, and, and beyond. He's there with us, and He never forget, forgets us, and He's willing to forgive us of all of our sins. At the cross, Jesus was alone. He was isolated. He was by Himself. At the foot of the cross, there was one disciple, His mother, and some women that trusted Him. He was totally and absolutely isolated, but He did not run away. Do you realize that, that Jesus could have said no? I can't do this, I won't do this, I refuse to do this. And he could have walked away. That option was his. But he loved the Father. And he's willing to die for us 
Because God loves us. In our fallen state, with all of our brokenness, with all of our frailties, with everything that we do, with the good intentions we have that fall apart, He loves us and He cares for us. And He walks with us through every struggle that we go through. The struggle that you're going through in this very moment, the one that's distracting you from what I'm saying right now, the one that will lead you away from my words and off into that world of what if, is the struggle that He's here to help you with. It is not in the days of joy and sunshine that we grow, but it's in the struggles of life that that distract us and detain us in the impending doom that we see off in the distance that He saves us from. and He makes us into what we should be. He loves us. If you're going through that struggle today, even this morning, be of good cheer. He rose again for you. When I hear my friends say that, that they hope that their children don't have to experience the hardships that they've gone through in life, I become very sad because I realize that it's in the struggles and the hardships of life that we grow closer to Him. If it were not for the storms of life, we wouldn't run to Him. If it was not for the collapse of what we believed in and we built, we wouldn't depend upon Him. And it's in a time like this that I think it's important for us to understand When we want to distract and and, and protect our children and those that we care about from the struggles of life, we are disagreeing with God Himself. Because it's in that struggle that we stay focused on Him and our character is developed. It's in those situations where we're detained and life seems to go on and leave us that we grow and prepare for a greater day and a greater victory in life. Our strength in ourselves and our desire to reach out to God comes from our own heart. That's why I believe with all my heart that you have to choose to accept the gift of salvation. You have to refuse the flesh. You have to say no to sin. And you have to choose Him. And in doing so, your life is turned around. It's important today, though you chose to come here, and you may have been, you may have been motivated by someone. Um, I told someone earlier, I said, be careful, your dad is just a tour guide for guilt trips. He got you here today on Easter. You know what? I'm concerned about why you really came. Did you come because you wanted to see the risen Lord and have him walk away from here? Because remember, there's a day after Easter and the next day and the next day. God wants to walk with you and be with you and guide you and give you the strength you need through all situations of life. He wants you to call on Him in the good times so that when you come to the times of struggle, you don't have doubt about whether or not He's there. But Secondly, I want you to realize this. Because He lives, the worst thing is never the last thing. Let me say that again. Because He lives, the worst thing is never the last thing. And what I mean by that is what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living within you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. What I'm saying is this. The worst thing will never be the last thing. You're never getting to that last thing. 
God always has the best thing for you. And he's going to keep blessing you. Jesus will have the last word concerning your life. You will not face the end and be afraid because you know that the end is really a doorway to eternity. You understand that he's prepared for you something that is wonderful and is beyond human understanding and you trust him with your life. Never request when you pray for your will to be done, but for his will to be done. And in doing so, you understand that he can guide you through a fanciful life that you could never imagine. One that may go through sad and dark valleys, but in those valleys you prepare for the mountaintop. You prepare for the journey that will take you to the place where you fulfill your eternal destiny. But thirdly, realize this, Jesus was not resurrected to turn bad people into good people. Now, some people struggle with that when I say that. Jesus was not resurrected to turn bad, bad people into good people. He was resurrected to bring life to those who are dead. That's exactly what he came to. Because we're dead people. We know where we're headed. You know, I, I, I'm amazed at people that don't understand that the moment you're born, you're dying. Your skin is dying. Your body's dying. They debate about when you hit your peak in life. It was so long ago, I can't remember. But the reality is, we're all moving in the same direction. But God says to us, your peak will not be ever acquired in this world. You're preparing for the next. And one day, when you arrive at that point, you'll never leave it. You'll be victorious forever. For those of us who believe and follow Jesus today, we celebrate that. And For those of you who do not know Jesus... Today is the great invitation to you to embrace this same Jesus. Don't let him be someone you've heard about, you've read about, and you've heard other people talk about and never encounter him. Salvation is not about walking an aisle or signing a paper or making a pledge, not at all. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's one that I can't force upon you. It's one that your parents can't make you have. I've all, always heard it put this way. An old man told me one day, he said, you know what? God only has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. The reason being, he wants a direct relationship with you. You've got to encounter him in your own way. You've got to come to know him. And you've got to celebrate that life in a powerful way. You can't take your Christianity and put it on a shelf or, or in a framed picture, a baptismal certificate or a memory of the past. It is alive constantly. One of my favorite poets was, was born a slave, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. His writing is so powerful it will grip you in a way that no other poet will. But he died at a young age, and he died at home in, in Dayton, Ohio, in the house that he was born in. And his mother retained his last poem and she laid it on the little desk that was beside his bed that faced a window. She made that room into a shrine to her son that she loved so dearly. But alas, after many years of the sun shining through that window, it literally melted out the pen and ink that was written on that page. And we lost for eternity that poem, the last one that he wrote. Because it was not preserved. Your Christianity is that way. 
Don't put it on a shelf or hide it. Don't celebrate it and forget it. Use it. Live it. Walk it. Work it. Speak it. And and it will stay alive and it will become not just yours, but it will become you. It will be the most natural thing that you ever do. You know, some people think of this time of year and they get sad when they think of what Jesus went through, the suffering that he was able to tolerate. And, and it's intolerable what they did to him, but he did so because he loved us. He took those stripes because he did not want us to suffer for eternity in hell. And because of that, we can embrace him. The title of this sermon is, is named after a song that was written many years ago and sung by, by Sandy Patty. And she pondered and wondered, was it a morning like this when the sun stood, still hid from Jerusalem? She was talking about the fact that it grew dark when he died. The ground quaked and the world seemed to end. Yet the reality is heaven was just beginning because heaven became a place that was real for those who had believed. And their entrance was guaranteed And because of that, Jesus embraced for us heaven forever. There are a lot of things I'm not sure of today. I can't guarantee. Statistically, who knows? But I'll tell you this, statistically, if everything goes the way it's going right now, you're going to die. And I'm going to die. Hopefully it's not before we have lunch today. But we're going to die at some point. And it's important for us to know that he who went into death and came back from it alive, loves us and has given us the authority and the power to not be afraid of death anymore. It amazes me that the universal fear of all mankind is the fear of death. Yet Jesus purchased our way through that, that we would never have to worry again. Benjamin Franklin's one of the people in history I love to read about. He was an amazing man. He was the oldest person gathered with the Continental Congress as they were pinning and putting together the fabric that became literally who we are as a nation. Unfortunately, they've forgotten about those documents today in Washington. But those things done by the Continental Congress there in Philadelphia were so important. Those first days as they gathered together and and tried to hammer out what they were going to do, they ended up in a very raucous and a very frustrating time of just contention and divisiveness. Somehow they were coming apart as they were trying to come together and get their thoughts there. And it is said like this when they were hammering those things out. On June the 28th, 1787... A very wise man, Benjamin Franklin, stood up and spoke these words to those gathered there. He said, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its beginnings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed in business and that one or more clergy of the city be requested to officiate in this service. When that was done, they went in the right direction and the Constitution was hammered out as a document of faith, not just a document of government. And it was a Benjamin Franklin who did not discuss his faith a great deal because he said it was very private and very personal and very emotional to him. And in fear of being seen as a part of one of the... the, 
political groups that were religious. He didn't want to associate with that. Yet it is said that Franklin read his Bible, not just daily, but many times a day. As he grew to be an old man, he had penned what his epitaph would be on his tombstone. And this is what he wrote, and listen to these words. It was to say, the body of B. Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents tore out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here, simply food for worms. But the work shall not be wholly lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and perfect edition, corrected and amended by its author. Oh, dear people, he understood. With all of our frailties and fanciful ideas of failure, God remakes us in this life and prepares us for eternity. And as much as I love to look at all of you here and see many of you that I've not seen for a while, family members that have traveled a great distance to be here, yet I know this is not the greatest gathering of this church. Yea, the greatest gathering is in heaven, even right now, as everyone is there who has graduated to that great alma mater of which Jesus purchased for us all. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that in this time of celebration, we understand that the death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing upon which we can celebrate today. And we hold fast to that. You gave to us the greatest of gifts. And because of that gift, we come together and we sing and celebrate. And we will leave this place and continue to celebrate because we understand that our sins are forgiven and our home ultimately is in heaven. And Father, I pray that you would bless each family member that is here. Give them strength and health. Give them direction and faith that will move them closer to you. Father, we trust you because in a morning like this, you came to die and to be raised again three days later, and therefore we can have hope. Father, bless his congregation. Speak to those who have a decision to make, and may they trust you even in this hour of decision to do that which is right. For we pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.